The views and opinions of authors expressed herein do not necessarily state or reflect those of the United States government and shall not be used for advertising or product endorsement purposes. Hello, and welcome to Seat 41A. My name is Manoj Freema, Air Force MSC, currently stationed at Altus Air Force Base. Each episode, you'll hear us discuss a leadership-driven book, most of which can be found on our core chief's reading list. Hopefully, the discussions can lead to actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily professional and personal life to become a more effective MSC, leader, and individual. My co-hosts are... Greg Taylor, another Air Force MSC officer. And Christopher Foote. Another Air Force MSE officer. This feels like a lot more like segmented. Like, okay, let's record the this little bit and let's record this little. Well, bit. I think it's a good thing. We, we actually know what we're doing. Like, we're actually like, <laughs> yeah. Look at us. We're we're uh, iterating. Isn't that what the? Isn't that what they say? I'm keeping that uh, in. It's an iterative, <laughs> iterative process. <laughs> All right. This episode's book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. All right, here are the key key takeaways from Atomic Habits. Goals versus systems. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. Goals are good for setting a direction, but systems are best for making progress. Changing our habits is challenging for two reasons. We try to change the wrong thing, or we try to change our habits in the wrong way. There are three layers of behavior change. The first layer is changing your outcomes. This level is concerned with changing your results, such as losing weight, publishing a book, winning a championship, publishing a podcast. The second layer is changing your process. This level is concerned with changing your habits and systems, implementing a new routine at the gym, decluttering your desk for better workflow, developing a meditation practice, for example. The third and deepest layer is changing your identity. This level is concerned with changing your beliefs, your worldview, your self-image, your judgments about yourself and others. The process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps, cue, craving, response, and reward. You do not crave smoking a cigarette. You crave the feeling of relief it provides. Every craving is linked to desire to change your internal state. The response of the actual habit you perform, which can take the form of a thought or action. The response is the actual habit you perform which can take the form of a thought or action. And rewards are the end goal of every habit. Second, rewards teach us what actions are worth remembering in the future. If a behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it will not become a habit. Eliminate the cue and your habit will never start. Reduce the craving and you won't experience enough motivation to act. Make the behavior difficult and you won't be able to do it. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desire, then you'll have no reason to do it again in the future. Without the first three steps, a behavior will not occur. Without all four, a behavior will not be repeated. So those are the main quotes directly from the book. Those are all quotes from James Clear. And that's the summary. Chris, what uh, what did you think about reading the book? Well, first, I did read the book this time. So I want to make that perfectly clear. Thank you for the standing elevation. I also just want to say you did a much better time, much better job pronouncing the author's name. This go round. <laughs> Thank you. We Thank really you. had a hard time last time. So I was struggling with his name. I'll be honest. This guy's name is clear. Yeah. Well, it wasn't real clear to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. So 
I thought this was an outstanding book. Greg, you had mentioned that you had read this book several times before, and I can absolutely see why you have read this book this many times. I will definitely be reading this book again. I'm glad I picked up a, a hardcover copy and didn't just get it on audiobook or, or Kindle. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to talk about this one. Uh, how about you, Manoj? I should have gone first. I think you took all my words. That's <laughs> <Sorry>. really unfortunate. <laughs> Because, yeah, Greg did mention um, when we were trying to pick the next book that he had said that he had read this one numerous times. And, yeah, I can absolutely understand why. And, you know, the book talks about uh, habits and the good ones and the bad ones and what we can do to keep up those habits. And one of those examples was, you know, keeping up the good habits, like repetition. So kind of like in the essence of this book, I'm going to keep reading this book as a habit so I can keep up my good habits and uh maintaining and changing and updating those habits to to be better part of my life or where I am at that moment. So it was really interesting to see how it dissected how to build those habits, not only build the good ones, but to eliminate the bad ones. I never really thought about that. I kind of always thought bad habits, you kind of just cold turkey, just stop doing it, be done with it. Like that's that's pretty tough. And you know, when they talked about the when Greg mentioned the summary, the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward, there are certain actions that go along with those. And then literally for building good habits and building bad habits, you just do the opposite way. And I was like, oh, so simple. Why didn't I ever think of that? Like eating chocolate, you know, it does taste good, but, you know, add to your caloric intake, um, add the weight, if, especially if you have so much chocolate, so much of the day, but like, how do I make it unsatisfying? It's kind of hard to do. Like chocolate's pretty satisfying. So it got me really thinking, that's a very simple example, but there are other things that I have in my life that are probably bad habits, but I've done for so long, it's going to take some repetition over and over again to try to eliminate those bad habits. Right. It's, it's so simple though, you know, in that making it unpleasant, you know, if you don't have any chocolate in the house and you have to drive yourself to the store to go buy it, you know, the, the least, you know, just the tiniest amount of resistance can be enough to just, you know, shut you down or, or you're less willing to eat like the entire thing, right? You want to piece it out and make it last. If it's, if it's a $10 bar of Giardelli chocolate or whatever, you know, then you break it off one square at a time, as opposed to eating the whole bar in one sitting. Actually, I'll one up you there if they're individually wrapped and you can't have the whole thing as easily. Then you got to unwrap like 10 pieces, which can be annoying, especially if they were tough to open. The, the, the candy dish in my office would would say that it doesn't matter. They're all individually wrapped. But people, people can easily unwrap five or six of them at a time. But I, I can I can I will say, though. You know, having chocolate, that's one thing, but there is a, a I'm, I just thought of it right now. Like, you know, if you have chocolate in your office, you might, that might be a good habit to have because it might bring people into your office to talk to you face-to-face -face so you could solve problems face-to-face -face and discuss items rather than over email, which, you know, can get lost in cyberspace and people forget and problems go unsolved. So having that uh, cue for a person to see the chocolate as they walk by your door to walk in and immediately have a conversation or a discussion over that is probably a good thing, actually. So, Chris, did you think of any ideas of how you could apply anything from this book, you know, into your into your life, you know, especially as you're about to start a new job? How can you set that environment from day one to promote the good habits you know you need for for your work? Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
it definitely put a lot of thought into into that as well as just life in general personally my my favorite part of the book or at least the part that i found most interesting was the the law of least effort so i'll i'll just kind of admit here i am by nature a i'm an extremely lazy person and i don't mean that you know i just love to sit around with my kick my feet up. I tend to like the path of least resistance. Um, and so I, I, you know, I can easily get distracted, right? So say for instance, right, implementing a new fitness routine. So I had recently sort of invested in, not sort of, I totally committed to this, uh, but invested in and committed to a home gym in my garage. Uh, that eliminates a lot of barriers to get in the car and go and drive to the gym. But there are still things that I was doing that would create barriers where I would get sort of distracted, you know, like in the book, I think he mentions, right. Like, you know, you put your fitness clothes out, you put all your stuff out, you know, the night before, and it's right there where, <laughs> sorry, Manoj, <laughs> did I do it again? <laughs> you keep stealing my thoughts. <laughs> I think we need to compare notes before, before we do this. I'm going to, we'll just chalk this up to experience, I guess. I could change topics. I don't need to. No, I'm not going to change. Anyways, so, you know, I've found that doing those things really helps in solidifying that habit. You know, for me, that's that's really easy. And so trying to, I'm in the middle, like you said, Greg, I'm in the middle of a PCS. So that's always difficult and stressful because we wind up taking all of those routines and those habits and kind of just throwing them out the window because our entire schedule changes, our environment is brand new. So for me, it's really a, an awareness of, okay, now I know that that I have to reestablish and rebuild these habits or establish temporary ones. You know, I have some uh, resistance bands that I can bring with me and I'm not going to be able to have my whole gym set up taken down the road with me, right? They're going to have to deliver that. So I, I have smaller things that I can bring with me. So I have to create smaller habits in the interim until I can get established um, more more long-term. I, I hope that kind of answers your question, Greg. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think one of the things that makes this book very useful and very practical for anyone out there is the structures and the content are simple enough and moldable enough that wherever you are in your stage of life or whatever you have going on as far as you know you're pcsing or you've been at a place for a long time or you're transitioning out of the military maybe you know there's takeaways that that you can apply regardless of, of where you are. Some things that initially popped up in my head, yeah, I think uh, you'll appreciate this, Chris, is I'm good for once or twice, maybe even three times a year of leaving my CAC in my keyboard and then driving off base. We've all been there. We've all done it. So I, I, won't, I won't say that, you know, I, don't, I don't consider myself to be like a problem, but it is something that I, I do on occasion. And one thing that I've heard, which, you know, follows one of the lessons from the book, right, is, is about verbalizing your, you know, the habit, saying it out loud is the cue. So when you're getting up to leave for the day, you know, I have my wallet, I have my keys, I have my CAC, I have my hat, you know, you have all the things that you need to leave for the day and not have to come back 30 seconds later because you, you left your hat sitting on your desk. And I think, I think that's a great thing to say or to do is to make a habit of, of, of verbalizing that routine 
at the end of the day is a good way to, if that's something that you struggle with, to help avoid it. What do you think, Manoj? So there was a, uh, another example that I thought about. When not, it kind of goes along with verbalizing, but it talked about in the book at some point, talking about seeing those goals of your habits. Like it's one thing to have that goal, it's on paper or whatever, but when you feel that progress and that uh, progression, like it, that, that's what you know grabs somebody and has them keep going, keep having that good habit and keep trying it over and over again. And I try to think of something and, you know, Chris took the fitness exam, but I'm going to build off of that when, for example, um, I, I, I've kind of gotten off this habit. I probably should jump back on, but I used to have the app, you know, my fitness pal, and I would track my caloric intake and then track your weight. And, you know, the first couple, maybe, maybe even the first couple of weeks, it, it takes a bit of it. Like, but as long as you build that habit of putting it in at some point, I think it was like week two or week three, I was like, oh man, like, look at all those calories I probably could have had, but I've actually stayed under my goal and look at all the possible calories that I did not intake because I stayed under my goal. And because of the, I didn't take those calories. I am now at this weight. It was like, Oh, progression. And that was like the catalyst to like, keep going, you know? And then unfortunately we're in the military. So then we have PCS season. So it all goes out the window because you know, all your stuff is packed and you have to eat out all the time, but I will get back on that habit. I'm sure. And so that was uh, a really good example of showing and visualizing and seeing that progression once of those good habits. There was another uh, thing I, I got from the book that I found really interesting. Chris, you'll love this. It, it was based on the, the third law. I know I'm skipping around here, but of all the laws. So the first one, make it obvious to make it attractive. Three, make it easy. And four, make it satisfying. Um, I know Chris mentioned the path of least resistance. So making it easy there's a lesson that somebody mentioned called the Seinfeld productivity hack. So comedian Jerry Seinfeld apparently marked his calendar with a big X every day he came up with a joke. Soon his goal was not to break the chain and keep those X's on that calendar every single day. It's a simple but effective strategy to help you build those good habits. So especially when you start off or at least trying to start a habit from the beginning, you want to make those goals very simple and achievable so then you can build off of it over and over again. And then suddenly it's like, a, for me, at least it's like a little mini game. Like this is, this is awesome. Like I have this streak going live, you know, it's like hit streaks in baseball. Like you keep it, you kits for like 32 games, you know, you want to keep getting that hit no matter what it keeps that drive going. And I try to use that uh, in my life. I think I kind of do it unconsciously. Those streaks just kind of happen. And then I realized them a little late and I'm like, oh, hey, this is, uh, this is still happening. I should keep this up. So it's that I have to remember to keep those, that drive going and keep reminding myself that progress is right there. It's going to show itself and what it does, it'll be a catalyst to just shoot forward. So Manoj, I've, I've actually, I've seen this now a few times where companies sort of try to gamify this idea of not breaking a streak. Uh, so I'll give two examples. One being, I don't own an, an Apple watch or the fitness watch that Apple has, but I have, my brother is constantly you know, messaging me about how long his streak is, and he's always excited about it. And it's, he's at the point now where you know, he's surpassed the one-year mark of, uh, he calls it closing his rings. I'm not really familiar with that, but I guess it's meeting some objectives that he has set. And so now he's like, I just can't let this streak die, right? 
almost to the point where it seems like his good habit has almost turned into an obsession. The other place that I've seen it was I've, I've been using this website called Try Hack Me. And so it's a cybersecurity training site where you go in there and you try to do different training objectives and answer questions. And for each day that you answer a question, it gives you a streak. And so you get badges for different streaks up to, I think, in even maybe even beyond 365 days. But they sort of use this, like, don't break that streak mentality, and they gamify it to try to help you build habits to use their services. Uh, so I, I found that kind of interesting as we were reading the book and then seeing that used sort of in, in real world context. Okay. First of all, all iPhone users are just shaking their head at you right now. Like they're so disappointed in you. <laughs> that's great because I use an Android. Android is better. Hey. Thank you very much. Yep. I'm, that's uh, not the unpopular opinion. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I have an Android, but I will say I am working off my iMac. Shameless plug. I love this iMac and I will never get rid of it. Even though I'm, it's on a suitcase right now because, you know, PCS season. So I don't have a desk at the moment. I have an iPhone and an Apple Watch. And I do enjoy the little bit of feedback of, you closed your rings today. You know, good job. That slight dopamine hit you get from, uh, from accomplishing that. Although, you know, if you're ever in danger of losing the streak, you can just change your goals day of, you know, down to... Uh, no! No, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. I'm just saying that is fantastic. That is spoken like a hacker, actually. So you're finding creative ways to subvert the system. I love it. Well, you know, I like one. One of the goals is is to to stand and walk around. Right, is one of the rings to close. And I found when I started working in a in a secure building, you know, obviously I'm not wearing my watch for the majority of the day. And uh, so, you know, it's hard to get 12 hours of standing when, you know, recorded on your watch, when you're only wearing your watch for like an hour in the morning, maybe a little bit at lunch and then, and then, you know, four or five hours in the evening. So I changed my goal from 12 hours of standing to six hours of standing. Uh, so it's really easy to hit the stand goal for the most part, especially on days that I don't work, then, you know, I hit it by like 10 a.m. But uh yeah, it's just one of those things where, and and then in the in the end, you know, had I known when I bought the watch that I was going to be working in a secure building, like I'm like, why did I waste money on this watch? Because you know I can't wear it for you know spend the majority of my time at work, sadly, because I have no life, and so I I don't wear the watch very often at all. I feel like most of our examples are built around fitness in some way. <laughs> these are these are our goals. Well, one. Uh, one other one that I thought of that's easily implementable at work is when you open up Microsoft Outlook, you can set what page of Outlook it opens to each, uh, in, you know, and, and when, you know, when up, up on startup. And so one of the things that I wanted to be better at was keeping track of what my schedule of events was for the day and what tasks I have that I needed to complete. And so, you know, I use the the Microsoft, the tasks on office often, especially for follow-up, you know, where I'll send an email to somebody and say, you know, Hey, uh, give me a response back by, you know, the 15th. And then I can't really count on myself to remember to look on the 15th that whether that person responded or not, you know, it's usually then when I get yelled at, then I like, Oh yeah, I was supposed to get a response back. And so I try to be in the habit of creating a task 
that says follow up, you know, on the 15th with this particular project or task. And I copy and paste that email into the task. Anyway, upon startup though, if you do the um, outlook today as a startup, it pulls up your schedule and all of your tasks that you have that are in there, what's due today, what's due in the future. And so I set up outlook to open that automatically on the first one so that that's the first prompt where, okay, I need to look at my schedule. I need to look at these tasks and it's easy, right? Because I set it and, and I don't have to change the setting. It just does it every time I open up outlook. So it's already part of my routine, you know, cause you log in you to your desktop and then 15 to 30 minutes later, when it fully powers up and, and turns on, then you can <laughs> open up outlook. And then it's just, and it's just there. And it's a, it's that cue to do the, the positive behavior, which is really to look at my calendar, look at my tasks as a first thing of the day or early in my workday so that I know how I can, how I should be setting my agenda for the remainder of the day. You're touching on another one of the points that I really liked that he made. And that was that it's easier to avoid temptation than to resist it. So you could be right by, at least I know for me, when I open my email, I am immediately tempted to just start dive in, jump into those emails and just start knocking them out. Cause I, I know all of us have the same issue. Our inboxes get very full, very fast. So I think by setting up that system, you're avoiding that temptation to want to jump in there and really looking at, okay, let me, let me look at my day. Let me look at the tasks that I have and let me work through them according to the plan or the system that I want to work by um, rather than letting the email dictate your schedule as it very easily will if you let it. I'll tell you what a good cue is. Whenever Outlook pops up to ask my pin again for the you know 80 billion time, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to walk around now and talk to faces because I'm sick and tired of typing my pin. Like, why? Just, just, is it, just why? Is it still doing that? I, I mean, I've been on the MTF a while, but is it still, is that still and the, a thing? And the worst thing is I have to change the certificate every time to the, <laughs> to the PIV. Like, why do you default to the other one? I obviously typed it before on the other one, on the PIV. Keep it on that one. So it, it's an unexpected cue, but it's a cue for me to go, you know what? No, I'm cancel. You're not getting my PIN right now. Let me go work on some stuff that I need to work on, not, you know, get to all these emails, which being in Oklahoma and all the wind, it's all just ATC uh, wind advisory emails. Like, yeah, I get it. It's it's hot and it's windy outside. I understand. Well, what do you say we wrap up the talk about the book and move into a little bit of current events? Yeah, so uh, we just had the spring DT webinar over the last month and it was the squadron command and PME DT, yep. right? That's right. That's right, and uh, and your and your guy, uh, Colonel Lattimore, got to speak at length. It's my guy is just IMIT. You're just throwing us all in one bucket. <laughs> you're just he's your 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 muse for. <laughs> we'll just say it's one of great. one of several mentors. How about that? We'll put it that way. Okay, I like that better. All right. Uh, so before <laughs> I say anything about the DT, I just want to encourage anyone that wasn't able to listen. I, I don't know if there's a recording that's still on the KX. I believe there was it is, at yeah. one point, but head over to the KX, take a look at the slides at a bare minimum. Just give yourself five, 10 minutes. 
listen to the recording if if it's still there. It's always useful. There's always very, at least I always find that there's useful information. I always get a few takeaways from those. I'm not up for IDE or SDE. I'm not up for squadron command, nor am I anytime soon, but that doesn't keep me from wanting to listen to those things because there's always one or two things that I can pull from there. And I think that the things that the DT talks about are things that maybe they look at for not just developmental education or squadron command, but right they're they're going to look at those same things and that you're going to get that same feedback for SGA, for AFITs, for EWIs, for any time you really, you're going to meet a board. So I think it's useful to tune in. One thing that I always find interesting though, so I, I've listened to quite a few of these now, and I always find it interesting that every single time without fail, they have said, make sure <laughs> your record is up to date. And so it, see, it seems like it's a pretty much a no-brainer. Like, hey guys, we got to update your record. But I, I'm, I'm assuming though that they're mentioning this because people aren't updating their records. And I'll admit, I am guilty of this myself. There has been times where I have let things go or not address them maybe in a timely manner. And maybe I need to use some of the lessons learned from the book that we just went over to maybe make updating my record more habitual. Uh, but I always find that to be very interesting that that's something that they that they bring up. Uh, some of the takeaways from this this DT specifically, and I made a note to myself to review the Strat guidance from 2019. So it's fairly new, but it did get mentioned, and so I just kind of made a note to myself to to go over that. I don't remember the context that that it was brought up, uh, but I've been out of the clinic for a while now, and I'll admit again that's not something that I'm familiar with or that I've that that I've reviewed yet. They also mentioned uh, to limit the overuse of catchphrases in our OPRs. Again, I know that I'm guilty of that. And I'm, I think maybe we, we all probably could raise our hands to that one. Can we get some examples of that so people know what that means? Nope, not for me. I'm okay. not going to throw those out there. I, I mean, I think we all know what that is. I, I mean, I've heard, I've heard it referred to as fluff or, you know, just like the, that you should be using that space to really, this is how it was said in the DT is, is to, you should be using that to explain what it was that you actually did. And I think that's going to look different to everybody else based on their writing style and the people who are approving or signing off on, right. The people that we're submitting those to. So that, that might be a contentious topic could be a whole nother episode. There was also, I, I know that I think my vector is fairly new. And I think the, they, they said the my vector IDP, keep that up to date. And I think the IDP is individual developmental plan. So I believe that they're using that in the DT to review, to help with the records review. So keeping that up to date, I think that maybe replaces um, what was the previous system called AMS. Uh, so that's, that's really, that's, those were the, the big takeaways, at least for me, that, that I got from those. Again, if you go over to the KX and you look at the slides, you'll get all the details about squadron command vacancies, the number of slots, who was selected, and a lot more of the details. Um, this was just a very high-level overview. And what I personally took away from that. You really uh, quarterbacked that review. I thought you exceeded the benchmark by at least 5%. <laughs> there it is. Anybody that was looking for examples on catchphrases, there it is. I always felt like if you have a captain OPR, you know, that captained something is a very appropriate verb to use. 
but you know to show your growth potential you should consider as a captain you know maybe like majored something or or lieutenant colonel did uh so my th- yeah my thought uh that i just want to add about the strats uh i know it's a little bit of old news uh like you said it was 2019 i think that that guidance came out but so how i would summarize it from my level is at least is that there are it's more restrictive on what strats you can use in an opr and to cut down on you know diluting it you know like to where you you parse out your ratees into so many different types of categories that everyone can be a number one of something and and restricts that down into grade and peer group categories and so but it makes makes those strats when you do get them more impactful and carry more weight than number one of five officers over six foot tall that live north of the base or whatever there are five of y'all oh my gosh (laughs) i don't don't know (laughs) one of one maybe i don't know all right now in time for this episode's unpopular opinion what do you got okay so I had to think about this one because weirdly I had a few, but I narrowed it down to this one. Uh, It's about end of fiscal year. So the unpopular opinion is we should not try to spend every dime we have before the end of fiscal year. Uh, I I know I'm in resource management now, and that probably sounds a little biased because end of fiscal year is always a stressful time for the resource management office and the logistics office. That's just at the med group level too. And, you know, there's base finance and all the other finances going across the DOD. And for that matter, the entire world probably, because everybody has a fiscal year, they have to close things out. So I think it's unnecessary and frivolous spending. Uh, For example, just, oh, we have $15,000. We should just upgrade our chairs. Why? Our chairs are fine. There's no reason to buy chairs. Or another example is, oh, we have this money. Let's buy new training material. You don't even use training material you use now. We have now. Like, why? And then we get all the stuff, and then there's no space for it. And yet we warn people saying, hey, there's all this stuff you guys have, but you want to buy more? And then as the loggy, when I was doing the logistics, where are we supposed to put all this stuff? There are better things to use the money for. And if we don't have those things, send it back. There's probably another MTF that needs stuff that's at the end of life expectancy. And they could really use that money for those things. To go along with that, does fiscal year budgeting make sense anymore? Like, I don't see how in the current environment that we live and work in, why it's still a thing. Can't we just spend across fiscal years? The money's there, just keep it. Or... For example, if there's end of year money and no one spends it, keep it in a little bag, bag 10 or whatever it is now, just keep it there. And if some requirement comes up for some MTF, hey, look, there was this money we didn't spend last year. Let's use it again. Why is it so hard to cross fiscal years? I don't understand. If we could do a QPP plan across five years and we use the same strategies, initiatives and whatever we do for five years, why can't we use the same money over five years? I don't understand why that's such a issue for this country. Like there's that quote that I heard of the RMO course, you know, we have a five-year plan based on one year data that was debated in a meeting for one hour. Like it just doesn't make sense anymore. He's very worked up. That is for sure. I don't know that your opinion is very unpopular though. I don't, I think there's probably a lot of people that maybe share your opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I think insiders, I think insiders would agree with you, especially those that uh, have to do all the purchasing and the accounting and the executing is 
when it happens all at once in the last month of the fiscal year, it definitely looks very wasteful. I'm just trying to be somewhat fiscally responsible. And I'm like, we can give money back. It's not the worst thing. And the way we are now as an MTS are funded by DHA, I don't think that really matters anymore. We're going to be funded on our productivity, not funded in a lump sum that we should be using at the end of the day. There's that office example where Oscar's trying to tell Michael Scott, like we have a surplus and we have to use this money. We're not going to get it. And he's like, explain it to me as a five-year-old. Okay, well, your mommy and daddy gave you $10 to run a lemonade stand, but you find out it only costs you $9. So you want to use that extra dollar for something. So your mommy and daddy gave you $10 next year instead of nine. Like that doesn't really apply anymore. We are now budgeted on our productivity. So, hey, dimmer's eye plug. Why don't we do our dimmer's eye correctly? And maybe we'll get budgeted how we're supposed to. Mm, Those are popular opinions you have there, sir. Uh, I, I think there's definitely a, a, a fear of, well, if I don't spend it, like it, it's hard for the first actor to get out there and, and, and take that bold move. It's just like the EPR rating system, you know, I feel like it, it's very similar. It's like, oh, well, you know, we should have, not everybody can be a five and we, the, 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 the ratings should be distributed, you know, but if you as a supervisor are the one to charge that hill, but everybody else is doing the status quo, you're just doing a disservice to your troops because they're not as competitive as their peers, even though, because you wanted to follow one set of rules that not everybody else was following. So at the MTF level, you know, if you're like, you know what, we have this excess money, we're returning it, you know, because we don't have any legitimate needs here, then other MTFs don't have the scruples that you have maybe. And so they're just like, yeah, you know, more office chairs, you know, we can have a office chair Olympics and derbies down the hallway. <laughs> this this might've been more of a, what grinds my gears segment, but I know maybe in the MSC world, it's not much of an unpopular opinion, but maybe on the outside, when you have extra money, it's amazing. I'm like, no, it's not always. So that's that's unpopular opinion, but at least among this crowd is a pretty popular opinion. If you have feedback on on end of fiscal year and the potentially wasteful spending that occurs out there, don't put anyone on blast. But uh, we'd love to hear your stories and and feel free to share those with us. Uh, the wherever you're getting this episode from, there's ways to connect on that platform and reach out to us. Uh, we have an email address. Uh, as well, it's seat41a at gmail.com. And uh, another plug for our newly established Facebook page. So if you are on Facebook, you can drop some comments there. I believe that we have it set up there. So we're I'm still trying to figure a lot of that out. But you can certainly leave some feedback or some comments there, uh, either in Messenger or on the page directly. We're Certainly excited to hear from you guys and look forward to hearing any feedback that you guys have. Yeah, always welcome feedback. This is our second episode. Things will get rehashed, reworked, made better over time. But this is for you guys as well. So please, anything you could add and have us change, it'd be great. We'll always, uh, as an an MSC, we always take feedback. I do want to say, though, if you do have other topics or things that you want to hear us discuss, then please let us know. Send us a message. uh, Let us know. We're always looking for, well, we will be looking for new ways to expand the show and new things to talk about, uh, because I think eventually we will exhaust the the reading list. So, So our next book will drum roll, please.
and will be the Hero Code, Lessons Learned from Lives Lived Well by Admiral William McRaven. So I debated between uh, this book and the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biography. I thought that maybe that one might be a little more timely with all the stuff that's going on in the Supreme Court. But I did not want to, on our third episode, jump down the political arena so quickly. So being a former sailor myself, I figured can't go wrong with Admiral William McRaven's books. He's an excellent author, read his other two books so far. And it's a short one, so we're already almost halfway into the month. So I think we should be able to knock it out in time to have a good chat for June. All right. Uh, Well, I look forward to reading that book. Uh, I only know Admiral McRaven by reputation, so I don't really know anything about the book going into it kind of blind, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Really haven't had a a bad reading experience on all the things we've covered in the Court Chiefs list so far, so I'm sure this one will deliver in its own way. All right, so uh, that's it for the episode this time around from all of us to all of you out there. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you. And uh, feel free to subscribe uh, to this podcast so you can be kept up to date on future episodes and, and look for us in, on Facebook and reach out to us by email. Thanks a lot. C41A is an independent company and produced by C41A Media. Digital media support and creative director, Manoj Rima, Marketing and IT, Christopher Foote, and Director and Outreach, Greg Taylor.